Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, barrowed by Eli like well, 825. As I once again screw up the intro to the show this week, Jeff, we are thrilled to join you That's on why we WWDB can't have music anymore. 860 AM. Yeah. No, you're why we can't have music okay, anymore. Go ahead. <laughs> There we go. At 97.5 HG2, a part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. And weather. And weather. Yep. If you're out there on the roads, be careful. Apparently, we're getting between 2 and 20 inches of snow or something like that. What's your on. prediction? Uh, you, 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 we'll do the football predictions later, so why don't we do weather predictions now? I think we're actually going to get some snow here. I, I like the fact that you you actually thought about it. I did. I know. I did. I, I'm terrible at but that with stuff the same, anyway. But with the same fence-sitting face that you would do sports well, predictions with. You could ask my wife. I don't pay attention to the weather <laughs> to begin with. I only know the weather because I have to dress my kids. Otherwise, yeah. I would have no idea what the weather is going to be on any day Oh, of the God, year. help them if they have to be dressed <laughs> by you. Well, I, let's talk about the weather a little bit. Not here. But it is the winter. Olim- it is the winter Olympics time, Jeff. And so you told me. Yes. Well, that's the thing. It's a week away. Yeah. If an Olympics happens and nobody pays attention to it, did it actually occur? I don't know. Do you get to walk around with the medals if you win? I, I guess so. Look, I know that your Olympic dream is still alive. It is very much alive. And you know what's killing me? I should have tried out this year. You right? should have. Because if nobody's watching. I can't even embarrass See, our is, country. This is where you've been wrong. You've been trying to get me on a bobsled. Right. You should have tried to get me out there curling. Not that I wouldn't hurt myself on that ice too, <laughs> but, but that's something that at least you have a chance of getting me out to because mm-hmm. I won't get motion sickness just by doing it. Are you good at, are you good at using a mop, a broom? I you know, know, something? know how to. Well, <laughs> that doesn't inspire confidence. Well, I didn't but say I'd be your best you, teammate. You know ever. how this works, right? Look, so it's, it's shuffleboard with people sweeping. Look, and, and I have to tell you, as as ridiculous as it, as it may sound when you try to explain it, I don't know why, but I can't turn it off when I watch it. And I des- and there are clubs around here, and we have got to go out and do this. I'm not kidding. This is not a joke. I, I desperately want to do curling. I would go out and try it. And then once, I, would probably and then hurt once I do it, once I get past laughing at you when you fall down, well, and then myself falling down, once I get past those injuries, then I'm going to take it seriously. That's the thing. See, I don't think that you ask me to participate in athletic activities for the serious idea of participating in them. I believe that I am there for pure comic relief whenever we do this. Well, no, that's that's a bonus. So, so, <laughs> that's a bonus. <laughs> when, when we, you just get lucky. <laughs> when we tried out for the Sixers G League team, I had no idea that we were going to get the gold that we got. <laughs> that was, that I was, was be as you, bad as I was. Was you trying to... to uh, show your peacock feathers by trying to dribble the ball through your leg. I didn't want to. They oh, made me. <laughs> oh, 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 I didn't know that part. Yes. Oh, because because you looked so confident when you were doing it until, no, you, until you, you then started chewing on the floor. No, you thought I was trying to like show off. They were like, oh, show off your skill. I was like, no, I have none. Like literally, I'm taking my five-year-old to basketball now. Yeah. He is better at than I am, Jeff. <laughs> I know that I have limitations. Look, we've done the show together for how many years? There are limitations to my ability to talk to you about <laughs> sports, let alone play them. It's been half a decade. That's a long time. I know. God. We need a Festivus show for you to air more grievances. <laughs> <laughs> Festivus should be a monthly holiday. <laughs> With this show, it needs to be. <laughs> well, you, well, also doing Philadelphia sports. Are you looking... For, well, that's... Airing grievances yeah. is talking about Philadelphia sports. Can I, can I answer? Because everybody, everybody knows the question you're about to ask. Yeah. So the answer is no. 
You're not looking forward to Elon Musk. <laughs> See, people, you didn't even need to answer, ask the question, and I knew what you were going to ask. I am. Why? And, what are you looking forward to? I do you know a single person that's going to be in the Olympics? No, I just think it's kind of, well, now I do. I know Who? that the Michigan hockey players are going to be playing, and that infuriates you because they're going to take away from your hockey team. <laughs> yeah, I don't get this at all. If, if you're so saying yeah, that it's, players now. If you're saying that the, that the reason you're not sending NHL players supposedly is because of the protocols are not strict enough and that they're worried about how it's going to jeopardize the season. So why are you sending college players over there? And selfishly, yes, I have a hockey college hockey team that is so good that it had, I think, five first-round picks on it from, la- from last year's NHL draft. And they're going to send these guys now over to Beijing to play in the Olympics when nobody cares and nobody's going to watch it? More people will watch the Frozen Four than watch the Olympics. The best part of this rant from Jeff is... Yeah. He means it. This has been <laughs> in our preparation for the show for three weeks. And this is the first time he's seen it in there <laughs> right before we went on the air. And he goes, wait, they're taking the Michigan guys? <laughs> because I didn't. Now he cares about the Because do you think I was going to read the stuff that <laughs> was under the title Olympics? Why? And, oh, and I have so to tell you, I am a fan of the Winter Olympics. I could care less about this. I, I, I feel the same way. Like, I'm into it because I want to watch it, but the sports are going to be... I hate, I don't like it the times where it's, you know the results are... Are there any ridiculous new sports that we should know about? The monobob thing where the per- <laughs> person goes like, down by Bobs themselves. for apples? They go down as a bobsled by themselves. Oh, oh. Not the two man, yeah. two, two women, four man, right. four women. Yeah. Just one person, one person shooting down there. Yeah. Is it a little tiny bobsled? Yes, it is. Ooh. I would not go in that either. Really? Yeah, I would leave that there. Uh, no, I, look, I like the Olympics in general, but I feel like nobody's talking about so it. Somebody, wait, it's where hold it on. Is. So somebody said we don't have enough bobsled. Apparently. I, I, I want to do bobsled. I, I watch it every once in a while, but it's never crossed my mind to say, mm, you know, we have two man, we have four man. I think we now have women, four men, two men. So we we said somebody said, "Hold on a second. We need one person in a bobsled." That's what we need. That's that's it. Well, I don't understand. That's going to bring the ratings. You, you said you watch bobsledding now. Why do you give me such a hard time when I text you and tell you I'm watching it then? Huh? Huh? Because I'm not watching it. I say I like it. You just want to go I'll do turn it. it. Do you think do you, have you ever actually, well, this is probably a dumb question to me because the answer is likely <laughs> yes, yes. Of course I've watched it. You don't even have to ask. Do you think anybody has ever watched from beginning to end an entire Olympic sport? Yes. No Absolutely. way. No Absolutely. There way. are plenty of people who love their sports that that's what they watch. Yes, there but are it's people who hard to forward. watch. It is, but there are people who treat the Olympics as the be all end all. Like they the, don't like care the skiing. about other sports. Downhill Olympic skiing is as, as exciting as can be. And it's impossible to watch because all, because of the camera angles that they use. Well, because it's constantly wait, cutting. You, you get nauseous watching quick cuts on TV, and you think you're going to bobsled. This is not going to go I, well. No, for no, you, I don't. Get, I didn't say I get <laughs> nauseous. I th- it takes away from it. There has to be a better way to to show it. I would love to go see like that skiing in person. Hear them ringing the bell and everything. Yeah, but the, but the problem is if you go see the skiing, nobody you, can go see it this you, year. You it's it's like going to a race car race where you just sit there and you start and you're right and you turn your head and then you don't see anything again. I yeah, mean, right. you're not going to see the whole downhill race. You're just standing somewhere and seeing somebody whiz by for half a second. That's really all you're seeing. Can't really help you, Jeff. Can't, can't really help you. Why don't we leave the Olympics there? Good, don't help me. I'm not watching. We, we've got some great guests today. Um, you ready to go to our first one and talk a little bit of everything right Let's now? Let's do it. Let's do it. 
We are so excited to get a few minutes with former Eagle broadcaster, radio personality. The man has more titles and more shows than I can even mention in the intro or we out of time. Mike Golick, thank you so much for giving us a little time today on the show. Oh, no problem. Always love talking to Philly. All right. So that's where we want to start. Before we get to the cause, we want to ask you, it's playoff time. It's been a crazy last weekend, and you played in one of the craziest games of all, the Fog Bowl. What was it like? The Fog Bowl? I mean, you, 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 it was like what you saw or didn't see. You couldn't see. I think one of, the, one of the wildest things about that game was they didn't want to postpone it. They didn't want to send everybody home and come back another day. So I remember at one point the referee turned on his mic so he could talk to the booth, and he was standing in the middle of the field. And he said, I can still see both goalposts. And I'm looking at him, and I'm looking side to side. I'm going, what, what, what goalpost are you talking about? I said, you can barely see 10, 15 yards, but they just didn't want to cancel that game. So, you know, unfortunately for us, the team that was winning when the fog rolled in was probably going to be te- the team that won, and it was the Bears that were winning at that time, and that's how it turned out to be. Was there actually a point where you couldn't see the guy that you needed to tackle? Oh, um, not, you know, if it was like a sweep or uh, you would kind of lose them. And on pass plays, you know, now I'm just rushing the passer, right? And if the ball gets thrown, I see it get thrown and I turn, but the ball's going like into the mist. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's happening. So it was, it was one of the more wild experiences I've ever been a part of. As We all thought it was smoke rolling in, that there was a fire somewhere, but obviously it turned out to be fog and just sat there on the field. Even with some of the snow that we've had in the playoffs this year, we've at least had a little better weather they can see. But you've been, you know, up close and personal, whether you were calling the game, the Bengals Raiders, I got to hear that. Three of the last four games last weekend decided on a field goal. Last one, 25 points in the last two minutes. What's your thoughts about the playoffs so far? Well, I mean, the, the, the fortunate thing is we got to see great football. Every game ended on a last play. As you mentioned, three field goals and then a touchdown pass in overtime. And I fear now that we get let down this weekend, right? You're down yeah. to two games, and you can only hope they're going to be as good, but that could be wishful thinking that you're going to get that many good games. But I hope they are. I mean, they're, they're two good matchups, um, obviously, with uh, the Rams and with San Francisco. And Cincinnati, uh, that surprise team right now, they, they beat Kansas City a few weeks ago. Now they're going to Kansas City here, so we'll see. But what a, what a great young team Cincinnati has. As an Ohio story, that boy, that has to be a fun story for you to watch. But your season won't end. Is it true I saw you never actually stayed for the Super Bowl, but this year you're going to be there to cover it on the sideline? Yeah, I've been to 23 of them doing, doing shows, and I always left on Saturday, and I watched it from the couch on Sunday because I didn't want to be there. I was jealous of the players that were there, so I didn't want to sit there and watch it. But this is now I'm going to my first one because I'm working for it for Westwood One. I'll be working the sidelines for this game. So not only do I get to go to the game, I get to work it and be right down on the sidelines for the game. Maybe more importantly, on the sidelines for the great halftime show. I, I can't wait for that one, too. You know, one of the teams that may be in the Super Bowl this year has an incredible defensive line, but I don't think it could stack up against the defensive line that you played for back with the Eagles. What was it like to play on that defensive line with that group of defensive players? I mean, it was, it was incredible to be part of that. Now, again, they were, I was a little, maybe a little above average. These were great players. Reggie White, Clyde Simmons, Jerome Brown on the D-line, Mike Pitts, 
Um, God rest a couple of others. So Mike Pitts and Jerome Brown and, and, and Reggie all gone already. I mean, it's just it's so so sad. But I mean, watching them play and practice and work out and do all the things they do, they were just freak athletes, and they showed it on the field. And 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 it was before free agency, right before free agency. So. You know, we became all really, really good friends. It was, it was a great time. I loved my time in Philly. You know, you're somebody who's played in lots of places, traveled to broadcast lots of places. We always hear people talk nationally about the Philadelphia fan base, but you bring up that defensive line, and, and the passion brings a smile to my face still to this day, 20-plus years later. Can you talk about the passion of the Philly fans? Oh, my gosh. That, they, they, they're known for that. They live on that, you know, and sometimes it goes overboard. We know that, but, I, God, I love them. You know, I mean, they're very passionate. Even if you lose, if they see you, it's a blue-collar town, man. If, if you're out there busting your butt for them, they're going to love you. Now, they want to win. They want to win as well, and they'll let you know about it, and that's fine. But it does get a little crazy. I've been asked sometimes on a Wednesday or Thursday, if I'm at the grocery store, why I'm not watching film. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I do have a life, you know, as well, you know, in between games. But uh, I love them. They are very passionate. They will love you. You just got to play hard for them and, you know, unfortunately, there's been a guy in the 76ers who are trying to get rid of him, Ben Simmons, who, you know, that, that, that kind of hasn't worked that well there. Oh, we'll get to your friend Kate Scott in a minute who gets to watch that. But I wanted to ask you one more Eagles from that era question. You began your media career during those days appearing on the Randall Cunningham show I saw. Tell us about that and tell us about playing with Randall, who was that ultimate weapon. Yeah, it was called Golik's Got It. It was kind of a humorous look at the next week's opponent. Uh, that won like a local Emmy, right time, right place, you know, that kind of situation. And watch, listen, we see all the quarterbacks that run now and do amazing things. Well, Randall was doing that way back when. I mean, he was like Gumby out there. I mean, when you hit him, he just twisted or contorted certain ways and kept going, uh, punted as well. I mean, he was an incredible athlete with an incredible arm uh, that we thought really in 91 it was, it was, that was going to be our year, and then he got hurt. Yeah, well, you just mentioned one of our basketball players. Well, at least the guy who's supposedly on the team. You work with Kate Scott. What's been like working with Kate Scott, who's now announcing our Sixers games? Kate's phenomenal. I worked with her in college football. Very energetic, very good at what she does. Philly is going to, and I know they're already taken to her, and they're going to love her, and hopefully for a long time, because she is a star and is continuing to be a star on the, on the rise. All right, well, tell us a little bit about her of things that we don't know. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Uh, she, she likes, you know, she's, she, she has, uh, she digs her drinks every now and then, and she's really getting into the Philly cheesesteaks and, and, the, and the local fare there. So, but, yeah, she, she digs her drinks, too. So that, that, that's something. Buy her a drink. She'll be very happy for it with you. Well, you'll have to give her some advice on where to get the best cheesesteak. But for yep. you, as somebody who's out there advocating to raise awareness about type 2 diabetes, people got to make a plan of, of what they're going to eat. So fitting that cheesesteak in may not always work. No, Tell us no, about no. your game plan when it comes to diabetes and what you're doing to raise awareness for people who may not know what they're going through. Well, listen, there's about 34 million people living with diabetes in the U.S. Put that in sports terms. It's about 485 football stadiums full of people. You know, it's a lot of people. I was diagnosed about 17 years ago uh, with type 2, and, you know, it was like, okay, I had to figure out what I was going to do, and I do everything around sports. So it was all about a game plan and a playbook. My doctor, you know, became my coach, 
and I had to figure out what was going to work for me. I think that's the biggest thing is everybody of those 34 million I talked about have to have to think about how, what, and what's going to work for them. So that was one of the biggest takeaways. It's not, it's not just every, one thing works for everybody else. So I really wanted to get involved as I was finding out what worked for me. I was excited to interview former prof- other professional athletes, Kyle Love and football, and John Cruck, you know, for, used to play with the, with the Phillies there, about their journeys. And everybody has that different journey, and I was doing that as part of the Talking Type U campaign from LifeScan and the OneTouch brand. So that's one of the biggest things I've learned is you have to find out the program that works for you. What's it like for you to hear about other people's journeys? Jeff and I talk regularly about how we need to normalize some of these health and mental health issues in sports and other things, other health challenges. Here you are with other athletes talking about an issue that, again, isn't regularly discussed because sports is about toughness and pushing through. Well, it is. And, and even the thing about talking to the athletes, you realize that their journeys are different and it goes into the real world. That's why, you know, I love speaking about uh, type 2 diabetes to everybody, whether they're athletes or not, because everybody has that individual journey and how they're going to deal with it. So, you know, everybody has a story, you know, and, and my story was I wanted to be very open about it with my family, uh, my wife and my kids. And, you know, I wanted to be open about it to the public because I had the, the podium to do it about how I think how people should go about it with their doctors and doing their thing and, and getting in touch with with now, what, what I do is I, I, I've, I've embraced modern technology is what I've done. You know, that this older guy, but it's worked. You know, through One Touch Solutions, they have like a one-stop shop. You know, you can get customized programs from Noom, Fitbit, which I wear all the time, Cecilia Health, and WellDoc. These are, so my numbers, when I use my One Touch glucose meter, I have my numbers, and they can go into these different programs, and I get great feedback, whether it's from, you know, putting in information and getting feedback from that, whether it's chatting with a, a live, you know, health specialist about things that I need. I get great things to know about, about diet, about exercise, and it all is, like I said, this one-stop shop. So I have embraced the, the, uh, the, the today's world and the technology of today's world, and it, it's been working great. All right. Well, it, every once in a while, you do have to cheat. If you're going to cheat, what's it going to be? Oh, I, I, I do. Listen, there's no doubt that I do. Um, so and it has been with a cheesesteak occasionally or the occasional donut. You know, that, that has happened. But what I've learned is to eat, I eat way better now, you know, 85 to 90 good and maybe 10 bad. So that's been a big difference for me. And with all these programs, I'm able to monitor all that and you find out when, what part of the day you're doing better at and, and things that maybe you need to change. So that, that's why I, I think so much of this helps. And listening to these interviews that I did will help. You know, at TalkingTypeU.com, uh, you can check out those interviews. There's actually sweepstakes there uh, as well where you can win some, some you know, some excellent uh, health-related prizes like gym equipment. So you can win stuff as well as learning about what other people are going through on their diabetes journey. Well, we look forward to following your journey and their journey. Good on you for using your platform to raise awareness and help people follow along. Thanks so much for the time. And we hope we get to talk to you again. We love following you as a player, as a media person, and now this. So thanks, man. Sounds good. Always, like I said, I always love talking Philly sports. Yeah, Jeff, you could tell he loved talking Philly sports. I love that you asked him about the Fog Bowl. I love it. Do you remember the game? 
Oh my God, do I remember yeah. that game? Did you cry? Yeah, one of many times I cried as a Philadelphia <laughs> sports fan, particularly as an Eagles fan, yes. You think they just, they just said, we're just not moving it. We don't care what they... We don't even care what the refs are going to say before the game. Yes. And, well, you got to remember, before the game, it wasn't as foggy. It, well, apparently it was. It rolled in heavier, though, as the game went on. Well, when did Golick say they called down and asked the refs? Early early on. Right. It, it was it was early. Yeah, and uh, he said they couldn't see anything. Can you imagine being a guy on a defense with Jerome Brown and Reggie White? Can you Clyde imagine Simmons? being a guy on a defense and you're trying... Weren't they playing Walter Payton? Yeah. So how do you how do you tackle Walter Payton if he sweeps right and you can't see him? That team was so good, too. It really was. That's such a shame. Yeah, but that was the one that got away. Yes. Would you agree? I mean, that team was the that was the that, that okay, was the so team that got away that, that you one, thought was going to win the Super. Bowl. That one, and I still thought that the stars were aligned the year that the vet was closing when Rondé Barber is still running with the football after the interception <laughs> for Tampa Bay. So those are the two that I that I thought that the Eagles really had the teams to yeah. to go and play there, but. Look, I mean, he's a blast to talk to. We could talk to him all day. Hopefully, we'll get him back to talk Philly. But, I mean, he's right about the passion of the fans and, and playing here, for sure. Yeah, it's better than some of the stuff we saw this weekend, right? Well, yeah. I'm kidding. Look, they, they, those those were incredible football games. Incredible football. Like, you could not have scripted. If the NFL were to, like, script out a, this is going to be our four-game weekend, you, like, couldn't, you couldn't have done it better. You couldn't get anything better than what you had three games decided by a field goal as time expired with the fourth one in overtime controversy in the fact that buffalo never got the ball back so everybody could talk about it the day after do we need to change the overtime rule do we not need to change the overtime well, it's a rule? dumb rule it is, it a is dumb a d- but that's but that but that's the rule yeah but it's a dumb rule but people in buffalo can't complain because all you had to do was, was stop, stop them. them for 13 seconds it took the Cowboys 14 seconds to set, and they didn't get a playoff. They got the Kansas City got three plays off, went half the distance of the field, and kicked a field goal. Look, and Green Bay, all they had to do was and have Buffalo their special was teams. The, Buffalo was the best offense in the league. All Green Bay had to do was have their special teams not be their special teams. So, like, there are three facets of the game. Yeah. I would prefer... It's a dumb rule, though. I would prefer that both teams get the ball, and you just have to go the whole length of the field. Like, I don't want artificial college started to 25 stuff. Kick off if you score a touchdown. That's not somebody kicks anymore. off. It's two point conversions. Well, it Remember? goes to two point conversion, yeah. but but I that would, might be the dumbest rule. I would sports. rather them just play it like regular. Give somebody the chance to at least come back and tie it. Josh Allen. Wait, wait. Keep, so what would be regular? You would have a regular kickoff, right? That could be returned. You drive and, the and field. if the one team scores a touchdown, then what? The Another kickoff from regular, they get the right. chance to try and match and tie. And Okay, and then once it ties, then what happens? Next team to score I haven't wins? gotten that far. I would do, probably well, do next team to score. <laughs> you, have, you have to work out the whole point, plan. At that point, I would probably do next team to score because each team's had to touch it. I mean, like as people say, the only thing Josh Allen did wrong that day was not win the coin toss. Right. <laughs> like He literally played. But again, like how does Kansas City get down the field make that happen and did you see travis kelsey what he did on that ending play yeah well you know what you know what's fascinating to me right after the game if, if you watch espn dan orlovsky came on and said i'm telling you at some point you're going to find out that that wasn't the play and it turns out he was right i don't know if he knew something he said he didn't he said he, that was his hunch but 
but Kelsey was basically calling plays. He was calling it out and Mahomes got And it Mahomes wasn't a, the only one apparently. No, got Mahomes attention and and settled down in a, a spot and they got there for the kick. I mean, well, it's maybe a, that's why Bienname hasn't gotten a job. The tight end apparently is calling plays. I don't know. Look, there's a lot of coaching turnover. Look, uh, Sean Payton's gone this week. Your your boy Harbaugh may end up being on the move someplace. Oh, stop. Well, come on. Yeah, he might. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. I don't. I don't understand the Harbaugh's. I don't understand the nature of how the John Harbaugh Ravens coach decides to let one of his defensive uh, coaches go to Michigan for one year and then to take him back. Did we have him on a loner? <laughs> like who does that? You get so exercised over yeah, the Michigan like, stuff. Hey, Jim, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send him to college as a training ground. And when he's ready and he's ready to get out of diapers, then I'm going to take him back. Do you think that the games this week have any chance of living up to what no. we saw last week? I'm not saying they're not going to be good. But you had three games that ended with a field goal with time expiring and one in overtime. Yeah. And the one in overtime was one of the greatest playoff games in history 25 points in the final minute and 55 seconds yeah so like so so how can you top that i think i mean i think they're going to be good games i still don't understand how joe burrow hasn't broken something i you would think that their offensive line would he try to not nine times they look more like a turnstile than an offensive line and yet he still stands in there the man has no fear he yeah. stands in there and takes his lumps he gets beat up yeah but you wondered should he be getting rid of the ball sooner Nine sacks is a lot of lost yardage. It's also a lot of beatings. Yep. All right, so Bengals will play against Kansas City this weekend. Obviously, Brett on the other side of the glass doesn't know where Kansas City is, but is very much rooting for the Chiefs. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's not even listening over oh, okay. there, so I can say whatever I want to. Uh, what do you think with that game? Who, who are you going with? Kansas City going Kansas that? City wins. All right. Yeah. In you, Kansas City? Who do you want to see? That place is going to be so loud. Do you want to see bang, the Bengals win? Like, I'd like to see the no. Bengals win. I wanted to see Buffalo win. I, I don't night. feel like going back to whatever year it was to see the Bengals and the 49ers. No, the I don't want to see the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I want to see the Rams in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't want to see the Niners in the Super Bowl. No, thank you. No, Jimmy G. Let it, let him stay home. It's all good. You know, um, it is amazing. During the course of that game, Jimmy G looked awful. Yes. Awful. Yes. Awful. Yes. And, and apparently and, and the Mina Kynes agrees. And, and well hold on. And the coach of of the team felt so much so little confidence in Jimmy G that they drafted they moved up in the first round to get another quarterback. And somehow because they won the game, the narrative has changed during the course of the week to Jimmy G's a leader. Jimmy G played defense at one point in high school, so that's why he's got the toughness and the poise. Wouldn't you rather just have a quarterback who's better? I don't care how tough he is. Yeah, I mean, I don't, they win the Super I don't Bowl, want Wimpy, but but like if they win the Super Bowl, they're not going to get rid of him. Yes, they are. You I, think they? Still, oh yeah, I would place a bet with you right now that they will get rid of him. Well, you can do that in New Jersey where it's legal and they have a billion dollar yeah, market well, now. I, Jeff. I try. I, I I work too hard for it. I'm not. I'm not handy. The NFL definitely wants more of an <clears throat> LA Kansas City game. Everybody will take the over, and there'll be lots of gambling on it. They, Why? I so would, we can all watch in SoFi Stadium, and they can talk about uh, the lovely. Uh, the owner of SoFi yeah, Stadium. Uh-huh. I know you'll enjoy that. The shots yes. of him in the box. Oh, yeah. Are you looking forward to a potential Super Bowl of the Rams and the Chiefs on whatever night? Oh, yeah. Think? I think that'll be a great game. I think offensively it'll be a great game. You do, it's not like the defense is horrible on each team. So it's still a challenge. I mean, you have great players on both defenses. 
like Hall of Fame level defensive players, but the game is offense. Wow. If you have the Rams and the Chiefs, that game is offense. We may get snow. Take the over. We may get snow, so you'll be snowed in potentially and able to watch it. Whoa, whoa, hold on. (laughs) What do you mean we may get snow? You're predicting snow for February 13th? It might happen. That does happen this time. You're two weeks away. No, no, no. We may get snow this weekend that you can watch these games. Because I'm sitting there going, hold on a second. We just made a joke about how the weather, you don't know if it's 2 to 20 and you're predicting two weeks ahead. I don't even know what it's going to be when I walk outside from the studio after the show, let alone two (laughs) weeks. It's going to be slushy. How's that? I did want to ask you before we hit the break in like two minutes. I know I didn't leave you a lot of time. You surprised at all that no Bonds, no Clemens in no, the Hall of Fame, no. no more Ryan Howard on the ballot, Jimmy Rollins survives? I, I am amazed at how quickly you get off the ballot. That doesn't make sense to me, that you no longer can be considered if you don't get enough votes your first year. Ryan Howard, I'm not telling you he is a lock Hall of Famer, but should be getting a lot of his, that period. He was period, must watch TV. That six-year period, and he had a longer career, but that six-year period, there was nobody better than that. When he came nobody. up, when he came up at that time, you stopped what you were doing. And you put that channel on. I forget at games, nobody left their seat. Nobody. If Ryan Howard was up, if the, they made the announcement as the other team made their third out, and Ryan Howard was one of the next three guys, nobody went to the concessions. They probably lost money. I just don't get it. You've been there. You've seen Barry Bonds memorabilia, Roger Clemens memorabilia, mm-hmm. Kurt Schilling memorabilia. Yet they won't get a plaque there. What is the disconnect? Uh, they believe their stuff can be there and acknowledge their existence, but they can't acknowledge their existence. Be- it, uh, look, I don't, I don't agree. They were cheaters, okay? The, 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 that's what they are. And so if, if you believe that they're cheaters, then the question is, do they belong in the Hall of Fame? I don't buy the argument that, well, other people cheated and got away with it. I, I, I just, I don't know. The thing is, this is one of those things that I'm going to, pull a Jason on. I'm going to sit on the fence because I don't know what the answer See, is. See, I'm actually real clear. I think you should put them in there and say exactly what they did because I don't think you can erase history. You may not right. like it, I don't but think you're erasing. Just and because you you're not in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean you it's not history. You remember when I interviewed Bud Selig years ago and I asked him about this. Like, mm-hmm. I believe that the that Major League Baseball profited from this at the time and turned a blind eye. It turned baseball around. Absolutely. The home run derby that basically went on between, forget Bonds, it was McGuire and Sosa. It brought fans back after the last There's lockout. There's a 30 for 30 on it that explains the whole thing. Which yeah. we'll see what happens there. Jeff, why don't we head to break? When we come back, we'll come on with Kevin the Gandhi before he hits Sports Center. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. All right, Jeff, here we go. Before he hits the air tonight at 6 p.m. for Sports Center, always great to get a few minutes with Philly's own Kevin Nagandi. Kevin, thank you so much for coming back. How you doing, man? I'm good, Jason. Jeff, uh, pleasure to join you guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, we always love getting some time with you. I'm going to start at a, a subject that I know is close to your heart, the Eagles. All right, so what do I make of this season? A team that didn't beat a team with a winning record all season, but made the playoffs and then got waxed by Tom Brady. What do I make of it? Uh, progress and hope because uh, you saw the development of this uh, past draft 
you know, with Devontae and Dickerson. Uh, I think uh, you saw the emergence of, of Goddard. Uh, I, I started this year thinking this was a nine-win ceiling, six-win bottom. So for them to get the nine wins to get the pl- to the playoffs is great. All I wanted was uh, I-, I thought it was really important that Jalen Hurts got just starts. Like again, we're talking about a young man who has uh, you know what twenty starts in his career, and that's that the the goal was just to see things. The the problem was that last game exposed a lot of things, and uh, the, the, he has struggled with the ball um, going to the left side and throwing. And he was super inaccurate, and Todd Bowles is going to take advantage of that, a smart defensive coordinator. You know, your warts pop up in the uh, playoffs, and, and we saw all of them. Um, so my biggest concern right now is just where's the growth of Jalen Hurts? Here's the other thing. It did not affect us on the field, but they picked up uh, another first-round pick with the coach trade, which – which Howie did a, a year ago, and I, it, that that really paid off. So th- they've got to nail another draft. They've got to nail another, you know, top three to four picks to have impact uh, on a roster that has a lot of holes. And um, I, I hope that they address it, especially on the defensive side. And then they got to get a number two wide receiver. You know, Kevin, most people know you because they get their across the country. Everybody's getting their sports news from you. Is there a point at which you turn to the people that you work with and say, I want more Philly? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had a conversation. Uh, my crew, uh, we have a meeting every noon uh, when we go over storylines. And, you know, the last couple of weeks I've, I've banged the drum on Joel Embiid. And uh, they've listened to me and I've given some reason why, hey, this is why we need to have Kendrick Perkins on. It's not just hey, I'm going to just uh, say uh, Joel Embiid should be the MVP. It's, let's back it up. So they trust me that, I, that when I bring up the Philadelphia topic of sports, it's for a reason. It's for, you know, it's a way to, to help the producer understand that I'm seeing it a little bit closer. La, you know, last night's game uh, with the Lakers, I brought it up in the meeting that Embiid didn't play really well when you look at his numbers, but they needed him in that second half to win the game because what he does with everybody else. And then I said, uh, the other hook line was, Anthony Davis was fantastic. He outplayed Embiid because he had he had his legs. Embiid didn't have his legs. You saw that. I mean, Embiid, Embiid was was struggling with his legs, especially in the in the second half at the free throw line. Davis was fresh, and yet the Sixers dominated that game because the Lakers roster, at least how it was put together this off season has been horrendous. So, you know, it, it's, it's a hook to bring in the Sixers conversation and then continue the conversation with something that's a big theme with the Lakers and, and how, uh, how they look last night without LeBron. So I find those spots. Um, but at the same time, you know, I hear about it when, when our team stink, trust me. <laughs> so, so- so Kendrick Perkins, you mentioned Kendrick Perkins. I believe he tweeted yesterday that Joel Embiid is the greatest big man of all time. What? what? He said that to me on the first off. He said that to me on the air on Wednesday. He, I, I, we brought him on, and he said he's the, he's the greatest. He's the most talented and skilled center we've ever seen. And I, I went back at him and I said, "You're." You're sure you're saying this because Hakeem Olajuwon 
is, you know, everybody goes down with, with the, his footwork as the greatest center of all time, skill set-wise. And he doubled down and said, Joel Embiid is the greatest skilled center ever. And I was like, all right, I needed to hear that again. So Perk has been on this train for a long time. All right, so now I'm going to present this scenario to you. It's two minutes before SportsCenter goes on, and you get a note that the Sixers have made a trade. What do you want to announce? Because you know who the, he's asking about the trade for there, Kevin. Yeah, you're like, what, that uh, the Nets have decided that they want to get rid of James Harden <laughs> and not uh, lose him for the summer, and now yeah, that, would be, that would be incredible. I mean, I, I think in a perfect world, but the Nets wouldn't do that because they're basically – they're helping their their rival there get maybe a step closer. While who knows what you're going to get with Ben Simmons? Like literally, I don't think any team knows what they're going to get mentally. Um, you know, I, and, and it's a roll of the dice, especially a team like the Nets. So I don't think that's happening before the trade deadline. I, I'd be curious to see if we we do make a trade. I will bring up one thing. You mentioned the idea of two minutes before going on the air and breaking some type of big news, which happens at least twice a week. Um, the the news that's related to Philly that I'll never forget that happened literally, um, it was within an hour before we went on the air, was Bryce Harper, which was great. Bryce Harper signing in Philly. Uh, Bryce Harper winning the MVP. That That happened while we were on the air. Uh, a funny story. I was on the air. Was it 2009 NFC title game? Um, and we're the teams in Arizona, and we all know what happened in the fourth quarter. And I'm on the air when they have the lead, and they fall apart. The Eagles fall apart, and uh, Kurt Warner does his thing. And I'll never forget they pop us back on camera, you know, after the game. And I'm with Trent Dilfer and Merrill Hodge, and I. I just went off. I went off for about 15 minutes with those guys, and it was really cathartic. People are like, are you mad now after the show? And I'm like, no, I feel great now. I got it out of my system. Uh, I'm all better so, now. Like, so those are the benefits of doing what, what I do on TV when talking about Philadelphia sports. All right, I got to ask you the other side of Philly sports before we get to some other topics with you. Flyers have lost 13 games in a row. They haven't won in 2022. What are we seeing with this organization? <laughs> I think we're seeing the bottom. And, uh, and uh, you know, what, what concerns me is where's the hope, right? A couple years ago, I think our hope was around Carter Hart. Finally, we have a goaltender, right? And he's young, and, and this is going to be the de- – where's the, the, the hope with this team? Because that fan base is the, the most loyal fan base, I think, in any of the four sports across the country. And if you're going to have a news conference and you're going to blame external factors like COVID, well, every, every team's gone through COVID. And there are teams that have gotten hit worse than the Flyers in the NHL with COVID, and they still have a better record. And, and to insult, I think, the fan base by suggesting you're a couple of pieces away, I think it's just a slap in the face to a very loyal group. You look at the track record of the GM, where has he had success where you could feel comfortable to believe him? Uh, that 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 they're okay and that they're going to be okay. So uh, I think this is the bottom, and, and I hope that they've hit rock bottom because I, I don't know how they can get worse for a team that has just five wins since uh, November. Uh, and then you look at the rival, the Penguins, who have just five losses since that same time frame. It's 
it's utterly embarrassing. And then it, it's just a punch in the gut every single night um, for that fan base that is so loyal to the orange and black. You know, Kevin, we wanted to have you on uh, a while ago, but you've been a little busy with the college football playoffs and stuff to talk about the V Foundation. Uh, what what has it been like working with ESPN and being part of, of promoting the V Foundation and what it means to that organization and the V Foundation, especially with what's been going on with one of your colleagues and Dick Vitale? Uh, it, it's uh, amazing. It's amazing because... Um you find a way to just press the pause button about, you know, who you're rooting for. And suddenly it, it unifies everybody because everybody I know has, has a friend or a family member that has been affected by cancer. I lost two, two mentors that meant the world to me in Gary Pop of channel six, uh, action news and, uh, Rick Beardsley, who was a mentor at temple university, a phenomenal professor, uh, then losing Stuart Scott, uh, it, it's just a gut punch. And to have an organization like and a company like ESPN that says, hey, all hands on deck, we believe in this, we'll do whatever we can uh, to, to continue the fight. Um, one of the things that's so special about what Dickie V has done is Dickie V has focused on raising money for pediatric cancer research because uh, Dick will tell you, uh, you know, every dollar you spend, four cents goes to just just research for pediatric cancer. That's it. So he is dedicated, and, and I've told Dick this many times before, this is your legacy, not, not you being a Hall of Fame broadcasting uh, uh, college basketball um, icon, this is your your legacy, you and Lorraine, his wife, of, of giving back and raising over $40 million for pediatric cancer research. And John Saunders, the late, great John Saunders and Dick had a wonderful gala. John was the MC When John passed, Dick asked me, uh, would you take over John's role as the MC? And, and I was floored, touched, uh, and humbled by it. And for the last four years, you know, I've been to Dickie B's gala before in the past, before I emceed it. it you know, it's a, incredible what he does in that room. It's 30 minutes of his heart, like, just pouring out, no prompter, telling stories about kids in the room and their parents and what they've gone through. And I've stressed this mul- multiple times at the gala, you know, it's not just one night. It's 365 days a year and families going through it along with the kids and the kids have such resiliency and they're often forgotten and Dick makes sure that their memories are carried. And so for him to get it, uh, first melanoma and now lymphoma, uh, in the last six months, you know, I talked to him repeatedly and stress one thing, Hey, take care of your body. You're 82, but mentally you, you're like a 15 year old man. You, you can't stop <laughs> You want to talk all the time. You want to be around everything and you feed off of the, you know, social media and people and you're such a people person, but we need you long-term because you are the face of this fight. And, um, you know, Lorraine will always tell you like he he could say all that. You could say all that stuff, but he ain't going to listen to anybody because that's, that's who Dick Vitale is. I think what the the last month has done, though, with the vocal cord issue uh, and how he's going to miss the season, it's basically given him no choice. To co- hey, you got to take a break. And um, the gala's in May. 
Our goal is to raise seven million dollars this year um, to get to fifty million, um, and I think we're going to do it. And it's all because of the passion of Dick Vitale and the backing of ESPN and their support for the V Foundation. And I'm just honored to be around it. You know, people can say that stuff, but I really genuinely mean it. Uh, because when you, uh, when you talk to a, a, a boy or a girl who's seven or eight years old and has gone through chemo for a year and they don't ask questions to why, they just do it and they show you their strength and support, man, you want to take all the money in your pocket and your bank account to give it to a foundation that's doing research to stop, you know, this awful, awful disease that's taken over. Um, so... <clears throat> I know um I know I've gone on a rant here about this but <clears throat> excuse me it, it just means the world to me and, I, and I'm just proud to be a part of it at ESPN and in support of Dick Vitale. It's actually the perfect thing and not a rant. It just makes it difficult to ask not serious questions after that. So that's the hard part. Is you guys can ask me anything. You guys can ask me anything. Don't worry. Jeff's got it for you. Here you uh, go. All right. Well, you really shouldn't have said that. But, but before we let you go, and, and by the way, as we get closer to the event, please call on us. We will be glad to tell everybody about it and to continue to support the V Foundation. But we, we, we believe in giving everybody a fair chance to have their side of the story. So we've had somebody that you know pretty well who's an Eagles fan, Michael Collins, on here a couple times. And he has oh, talked Yeah, he has talked to us about about this and has shown us the tattoo that he has for the Eagles. Now his side yeah. of the story is that there was a deal between the two of you and that only one of you has fulfilled the obligations <laughs> of that deal. Yours you have the floor. <laughs> So, so Michael and I, the caddy at ESPN, uh, I love the guy to death. He's a passionate Eagles fan. And, like, you know, leading into, like, that season as, as they were progressing, he, he brought up the idea of, hey, I'm getting a tattoo if they win the Super Bowl. And I was like, no, are you really? He goes, yeah, you want to join in? And I, I probably said yes. Here's the thing. It, it, then, it then grew a life of its own. And he's 100% right. I am going to get a tattoo. But then, like, scheduling-wise, <laughs> you know, this happened, what, in 2018. Then 2019 happened, and it was just like, I'm going to get it. And then 2020 happened with COVID. So, like, I, you know, because I'm going to get a couple of more uh, tattoos. We're going to get more ink. And it is on the list. I promise it's on the list. <laughs> I've told Michael Collins that, but it's, he's now to that point where he doesn't believe me. What? And I don't blame him. But I will, I will get a Super Bowl 52 Eagles tattoo. Trust me. Well, I will. We do have to let you go because you have to be live on the air. But we'll send you the audio we didn't play of him saying that he believes the pandemic is the perfect time to get it because of all of the time that you have on your hands. So we'll, we'll make sure to share that. With Michael doesn't understand, guys. Michael doesn't understand. I still work. I've worked every single day that has been a lot of me. It's me, Van Pelt, and Mike Greenberger. We have been working every single day. There have been no days off in my my book when it comes to the 6 p.m. Sports we, Center or college football. You can come down here and do the remote, and we will have the tattoo artist here for you. We'll be all ready. Don't you worry. <laughs> Look, Kevin, we can't thank you enough. It's always a blast when we get to talk to you. Please, let's keep updated on what's going on with the V Foundation so we can get that out there and i look forward to having you on again another time thank you guys stay safe stay healthy all right you take care jeff it's always a blast just talking to him let's just keep going for a few more minutes here so 
the V Foundation, again, we ask a question like that and then you want to come back with a tattoo and it's right. like, how do you do the two? Mm-hmm. But what they're doing, we'll talk the serious side first yeah. and then we'll have fun. Mm-hmm. What they're doing and raising awareness is unbelievable. The fact that it has impacted so many people that are associated with that effort goes to show you the statistical numbers out there of just how many people are impacted. It reflects society and how many people are impacted by it and the work they do to raise awareness, raise money, just great stuff. Really, really glad to talk to them well, about it. Well, you know, you know, one of the things about it is, is, you know, we're used to talking to athletes and coaches and front office people about how they use their platforms. This goes to show you that somebody like Kevin is using his platform. Dick Vitale has been using his platform. And every single one of us is capable of using our platform to the extent that we can get the word out. And and hearing, you know, you hear Kevin, you can hear the passion in his voice when he talks about not just his, uh, how much he, he reveres Dick Vitale, but what Dick Vitale has done for children. I mean, you know, I'm involved in the Mott's. Uh, hospital, which is a children's hospital in Ann Arbor. It, it is amazing to me when you see, just as Kevin d- d- described, and I know this is a serious subject, but when when you walk into a hospital, and I've done this, and seen kids getting chemo without questioning it. it With a it, smile on their face, on, though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do, you just don't have the energy to do it. But you sit there and realize it is incredible. It's inspiring, but it's also sad. And it's something that we should be doing everything we can to make sure that these kids don't have to go through this. And when they do go through it, finding ways to ease ease their pain and ease, ease what they're going through. Yeah, it's it, good on him for, for hosting it. Uh, good on ESPN and the V Foundation for doing it. Uh, his take on Embiid, uh, you surprised by that? I mean, you got Will well, Chamberlain. No, I, 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 do, got I, other I have centers. to tell you, when I saw, when I saw uh, Kendrick Perkins And I'm bad tweet. at this, by the way, I'm bad at this perspective of who's the best ever. I don't, I don't know how to compare from different decades, so I'll preface it by that. I like the fact that you turned it over to me because you assume I'm so old that I might have actually seen Will Chamberlain in his prime or Look, something. If you want like, to take hey, it Jeff, that way, hey, be Jeff, my guess. Hey, Jeff, the league's only 75 years old, so you must have seen every one I, of them, right? I think you have a little guilt right now. I didn't say that at all. Oh, you, I, well, people could actually see us. They would see you with your two hands turning it over to me to talk about it historically because I might have been around a whole lot longer than you have. Come on, Dr. History. Let's yeah. go. So no, how does look, this compare? Well, first of all, I hate when you compare errors, okay? Because because the players didn't play each other, the the conditioning is different, everything's the rules are different. There's no way to compare generations. So when we have these discussions about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, you just can't have it because because they haven't played in the same generation under the same set of circumstances. So you don't know how they would have fared in each other's time. Um but I did. I have not seen Will Chamberlain play. Just so we are clear, okay. But I have seen Akeem Olajuwon play over a long period of time, and he was the greatest center I've ever seen in my life. His athleticism was unmatched for a guy that size. You mean by He's, skill, not dominance? Like, would you? Where, where would you like both. a Shaq in that? There, there's nobody that could stop a key at Malaysia one. Okay. Now, now it's different because when you talk about Shaq, I wouldn't call Shaq 
athletic in the way that I would call. I'm not meaning to say he wasn't athletic, but compare him. And by the way, if you look at Shaq when he was at LSU, he was he was he was much thinner. He wasn't he was one, more like the Elijah one. He wasn't the Shaq center. Diesel. Yes. Shaq. Yeah. But but Shaq was dominant in a way that there's just he could just bowl people over. Okay. Elijah one had a set of moves. I mean, he his athleticism was on display the way that Embiid's was. If you watch, you're watching Embiid yesterday, and Kevin pointed something out that I don't think a lot of people realize is that Embiid, he, his gas tank is almost empty right now because he is carrying that team, and he won't go out. They tried to get him to go out yesterday towards the end of the game. And he didn't want to, and and he is carrying this team right now, and he's going against a fresh Anthony Davis, and there were times where he's literally standing right back to him and just making moves and then dunking right around the side of him. I mean, Anthony Davis should be embarrassed at some of the defense that he was showing against Embiid, who, if you watched Embiid go to the line, you know Embiid is tired when he misses free throws because for a big man, he is a great free throw shooter. And he got to the line several times, and he's got his hands on his knees. The thing he's doing to me for me that's most impressive is the way he's directing people on the floor. You've seen him direct players to switch sides so mm-hmm. that they're in their strength with whatever set they're going to run. So it's not just his play on the floor. It's his running of the floor that's impressive. But, I mean, I was glad you asked him about it. For I, sure. I am a little perplexed at the whole discussion that Keith and Keith Pompey from the Inquirer had with, with, with him after the game yesterday about 600 pounds. Why does him keep saying he's 600 pounds? I Look... If that's Did you see that? Yes, I don't understand. But I don't understand a lot of the post-game press conferences yeah. and the things that are said. So that's why I'm glad I'm not down there all the time for them because I don't get that stuff. I will I will say um, that having uh, before Matisse got hurt, I was one of those people who I love Matisse because of the person that he is, the citizen that he is, and, and the effort he puts in. But I also was able to step back and say, if you can get a good piece for Matisse, you should do it. Oh, a good piece for Matisse. Look at you oh, rhyming. Look at you. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm a poet. You're what a can history I? man. You can rhyme. Well, you know, me and Walt Whitman look used to hang you. out together back in the day. I am so impressed. Okay. Well, can we go back to, off the poetry now? Okay. <laughs> We've been so all over the place in this <laughs> You're not the person that I would want to read poetry to. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? So, so, all right. Can we just stop this show now? <laughs> I love how you forgot uh, okay, what you so, were even saying. No, so Matisse, <laughs> Matisse um, was out for a while because of COVID and then the shoulder injury. And that's when you realize his value, unfortunately. It's not when he's there. It's when he's not there. Because the Sixers couldn't stop anybody when he wasn't there. And if you watch what he's been doing since he com- came back, you remember how much he changes the game how much his defense and the way that he spreads things open. And now he's starting to be aggressive on offense, mainly because Embiid is the one who's saying to him, do it. Embiid's being a leader. Embiid is being a center who's making his teammates better. That's usually the role of a point guard. And we have a center right now that, you know, you know what's amazing? A couple years ago, the question was always, is this Embiid's team or is this Simmons' team? There's no question about that now. Well, not only is there no question about it, if the character of the two, if you heard what Shaq said <sighs> yesterday, and Shaq and Charles have been on Embiid constantly. You wouldn't constantly. Even say Simmons' name, that other guy. <laughs> yeah, but but it just goes, because I'm sitting there as I, as I was listening to that, and I'm going, 
Do you realize, like, you ever sit and and, and go when there when you've had a, a fight with this? I know you you've never sp- fought with your spouse, but you know when you have a fight <laughs> with your spouse or a coworker or a friend, and then after a couple weeks you're going, what was the argument over? And you try to like process it and figure out what it is. If you sit down for just ten minutes and say to yourself, "Now, what is what is this all over that Embiid uh, that, that Simmons hasn't played this year?" You do realize that this is over for four years. He decided not to improve his game, and then he got into the playoffs and he couldn't shoot free throws. Was afraid to do it and wouldn't dunk. And then after the game, his teammates and coaches were asked a question, and they didn't rip him. They made a comment that apparently hurt his feelings, and then ever since then. He won't show up for work because of that and because he's afraid of getting booed. That, in a nutshell, is the entirety of why Ben Simmons hasn't shown up for a game this year while his teammates are out there busting it. In the middle of a pandemic, like, like yeah, always we always talk about good teammates. Ben Simmons is the worst teammate. And, and the big concern is I always worry when people like me and you say stuff like that because you don't want other teams to realize that was that. my first thought when Shaq went on his rant last night is, is there goes his he's trade 100% value. right, but it's shining a spotlight on the same thing that makes the Sixers fans not want him here with this team right now. Yeah, and, 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 and by the way, by coincidence, story now breaking, Ben Simmons trade rumors, the Kings have pulled out of trade talks with the Sixers. Which I don't understand because I told you I would have done the Tyrese Halliburton deal with the picks because I think you have a devaluing asset every day it's here, but I will never agree with the strategy. I will sit back and shut my if mouth and watch it. If you can't take advantage of the Kings, who can you take advantage of? I think that's going to be the best place to leave it there for the show this week. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.